Good morning, good morning, all of God's chosen and divine ones. Welcome to this Friday, February the 10th. It's a blessed day. The Lord has woken us up to see another day. I just, I'm thankful and I rejoice in that to know that my work is not done. So I'm going to be studying in Matthew 5 um, this morning. And I've been studying this and the Lord has put it on my heart to to share this with you guys. So I'm coming out of Matthew 5, 21 talks about Jesus as teaches us about anger. So ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thy fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there and these remembrance that thy brother hath halt against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go the way first. Be reconciled to thy brother, and then come offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost feathering. Okay, so now moving on to Matthew 27. Jesus teaches us about lust. So ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not the whole body should be cast into hell. So just to go back and talk about this a little little bit, um, start back with the Matthew 5, 21. Um, so when Jesus said, but I say unto you, He was not doing away with the law or adding his own beliefs. 
Rather, he was giving a fuller understanding of why God made that law in the first place. For example, Moses said, thou shalt not kill. Jesus taught, don't even become angry enough to murder, for then you have already committed murder in your hearts. The Pharisees read this law. And not having murdered, felt righteousness. Yet they were angry enough with Jesus that they would soon plot his death. Though they would not do the dirty work themselves, we miss the intent of God's word when we read his rules for living without trying to understand why he made them. When do you keep God's rules but close your eyes to his intent? So, killing is a terrible sin, but anger is a greater sin, too. Because it also violates God's command to love. Anger, in this case, refers to a seething, broading bitterness against someone it is a dangerous emotion that always threatens to leap out of control leading to spiritual damage anger keeps us from developing a spirit pleasing to God have you ever been proud that you didn't strike out and say what was really on your mind Self-control is good, but Christ wants us to practice thought control as well. Jesus said we will be held accountable even for our attitudes. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. One second. I'm back. Sorry about that. I had to go get my glasses so I could see better. (laughs) All right. Glory be to God. So broken relationships can hinder our relationship with God. If we have a problem or grievance with a friend, we should resolve the problem as soon as possible. We are hypocrites if we claim to love God while we hate others. Our attitudes toward others reflect our relationship with God. Wow, that's powerful right there. And Jesus, today, someone who couldn't pay a debt was thrown into prison until the debt was paid. Unless someone came to pay the debt for the prisoner, he would probably die there. It is practical advice to resolve our differences with our enemies before their anger causes more trouble. You may not get into a disagreement that takes you to court, but even small conflicts mend more easily if you try to make peace right away. In a broader sense, 
these verses advise us to get things right with our fellow man before we have to stand before God. And uh, now I'm on Matthew 27, where Jesus teaches us about lust. Um, just to give a little insight about that. Um, the Old Testament law said that there is, it is wrong for a person to have sex with someone other than his or her spouse. But Jesus said that the desire to have sex with someone other than your spouse is mental adultery in the sin. Jesus emphasized that if the act is wrong, then so is the intention to be faithful to your spouse with your body, but not your mind, is to break the trust so vital to a strong marriage. Jesus is not condemning natural interest in the opposite sex or even healthy sexual desire, but the deliberate and repeated filing of one's mind and with fantasies that would be evil if acted out. So we have to be careful what we think about about another person because you heard it in God's word. If we think it in our mind, even though we don't act on it, it's still considered to be adultery. And I know me personally, I don't want to be the cause of someone falling into sin over lusting after me, if that makes sense. Um, I hope it does. Um, I hope I said it like a like it came to me. Um, but that is very important that we just, we have to watch what we think about in our minds, what we allow into our minds, what we watch on TV, what we listen to, the music today that we listen to is just an accident waiting to happen. Not saying that, you know, the musicians aren't good musicians. It's just that the the lyrics to their songs now is all they're talking about is trying to persuade you into lusting after someone. I mean, it's just, you know, you just have to be really careful what you allow into your ears, into your eyes. Everything is all important and all plays a part. That's also a part of being obedient as well. So... Some think that if lustful thoughts are sin, why shouldn't a person go ahead and do the lustful actions too? Acting out sinful desires is harmful in several ways. It causes people to excuse sin rather than eliminate it. It destroys marriages. It is deliberate rebellion against God's word. And it is always hurts someone else in addition to the sinner. Sinful desire is not as dangerous as sinful action. And that's why 
it should not be acted out. Nevertheless, sinful desires are just as damaging to obedience. Left unchecked, wrong desires will result in wrong actions and turn people away from God. So when Jesus said to get rid of your hand or your eye, he was speaking figuratively. He didn't mean literally to pluck out your eye because even a blind person can lust. But if that were the only choice, it would be better to go into heaven with one eye or hand than to go into hell with two. We sometimes tolerate sins in our lives that left unchecked could eventually destroy us. It is better to experience the pain of removal, getting rid of a bad habit or something we treasure, for instance, than to allow the sin to bring judgment and condemnation. Examine your life for anything that causes you to sin and take every necessary action to remove it. So, six ways to think like Christ. Um, Just an example murder it's not enough to avoid killing we must also avoid anger and hatred offerings it is not enough to offer regular gifts but we must also have right relationships with God and others adultery It's not enough to avoid adultery, but keep our hearts from lusting and be faithful. Divorce. It's not enough to be legally married, but live out marriage commitments. Vows. It's not enough to keep a vow, but we must also avoid casual and irresponsible commitments to God. Revenge. It's not enough to seek justice for ourselves, but we must also show mercy and love to others. We more often than not avoid the extreme sins, but regularly commit the types of sins with which Jesus was most concerned in these six examples. Our real struggle with sin is exposed. Jesus pointed out what kind of lives would be would be required of his followers. Are you living as Jesus taught? Then I wanted to go over to 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to start at verse 11. So when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. So I'm going to go back here to 
13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and, and of angels and have not charity, which meaning love, I am become as sounding brass or a twinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, which means love, profiteth me nothing. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaneth not itself. It is not puffed up. Doeth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoice in the iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Charity never faileth, meaning love never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So, in chapter 12, Paul gave evidence of the Corinthians' lack of love. And then we go to chapter 13, and it defines real love. Chapter 14 shows how love works. And love is more important than all the spiritual gifts exercised in the church's body. Great faith acts of dedication or sacrifice and miracle working. Power produced very little without love. Love makes our actions and gifts useful. Although people have different gifts, love is available to everyone. Our society confuses love and lusts. Unlike lusts, God's kind of love is directed outward toward toward others, not inward toward ourselves. It is utterly unselfish. This kind of love goes against our natural inclinations. It is possible only if God helps us set aside our own desires and instincts so that we can give love while expecting nothing in return. Thus, the closer we come to Christ, the more love we will show to others. Glory be to God. So God gives us spiritual gifts for life on earth in order to build up, serve, and strengthen fellow Christians. The spiritual gifts are for the church, In eternity, we will be made perfect and complete and will be in the very presence of God. We will no longer need spiritual gifts, so they will come to an end. 
Paul offered a glimpse into the future to give us hope that one day we will be complete when we see God's face to face. This truth should strengthen our faith. We don't have all the answers now, but then we will. Someday we will see Christ in person and be able to see with God's perspective. In the morally corrupt Corinthian love, had become a mixed-up term with little meaning. Today, people are still confused about love. Love is the greatest... No, excuse me. Yes, love is the greatest of all human qualities, and it is an attribute of God Himself. It involves unselfish service to others. It gives evidence that you care. Faith is the foundation and content of God's message. Content, excuse me, of God's message. Hope is the attitude and focus. Love is the action. When faith and hope are in line, you are free to love completely because you understand how God's how God loves. Amen. Glory be to God. So I'm just wanted to share that a little bit about love and the characteristics of love and that we should not be angry and allow ourselves to to sin in our anger in love as Jesus said covers a multitude of sins and is the most powerful of them all. So we have to love one another as we love ourselves. All right, I'm going to close out for today. I'm with the Lord's Prayer. If you know it, say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And some, I just wanted to uh, reiterate that um, some of you Bibles may say trespasses, some say debitors. Um, It's still kind of the same thing. Um, Just It means the same, just different wording. So if your Bible says something different, that's all it is. Um, I love you guys. Until next time, be blessed.
Good morning, good morning, all of God's chosen and divine ones. On this Monday, March the 6th, 2023. For this is the day that the Lord has made for us. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Father. Hope everyone is doing well today. And I'm coming out of Matthew 2423 where Matthew is telling us about Jesus's return so it says then if any man shall say unto you lo here is Christ or there believe it not for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall shew great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible They shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For whosoever the carcasses, the carcasses, there will be eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sun, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And there shall, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, with the power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other now learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves ye know that summer is nigh so likewise ye when he shall see all these things know that it is near even at the doors verily I say unto you this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So let's just go back and regroup about that and talk about that a little bit. second here. Sorry for the pause. I had to get my reading glasses. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you. All right. So we're going to go back and talk about 
little bit about these passages. Um, so Jesus's warnings about false teachers still hold true. Upon close examination, it becomes clear that many nice sounding messages don't agree with God's messages in the Bible. Only a solid foundation in God's word can equip us to perceive the errors and distortions in false teaching. In the midst of persecution, even strong believers will find it difficult to be loyal, to keep from being deceived by false messiahs. We must understand that Jesus's return will be unmistakable. No one will doubt that it is he. If you have to be told that the Messiah has come, then he hasn't. <laughs> Sorry to laugh, but I mean, that's just so true. I mean, you know, if if you can't see it, then we know he hasn't come. Because all eyes are going to see when he comes. Christ's coming will be obvious to everyone. Great signs. And wonders we will see. So back up a little bit. Christ's coming will be obvious to everyone. The tribes of the earth will mourn because unbelievers will suddenly realize they have chosen the wrong side. Everything they have scoffed about will be happening. And it will be too late for them. Please don't wait until it's too late for, for y'all. Um, now is the time to get to know Jesus. And to pick up our cross and follow the Lord. Jesus Christ. While he is able to be found. So it is good that we don't know exactly when Christ will return. If we knew the precise date, we might be tempted to be lazy in our work for Christ. Worse yet, we might plan to keep sinning and then turn to God right at the end. Heaven is not our only goal. We have, to, we have work to do here. We were all created with a purpose. And... We are the only ones that can fulfill that purpose. No one else can do it for us but us. So keep that in mind each day that God has a purpose for us. No matter what that purpose is, it's only for us that we can only do something that we have to bring to earth. There's a problem out here with our name on it because we're the solution so heaven is not our only goal we have work to do here and we must keep on doing it until death or until we see the unmistakable return of our savior Christ's second coming will be swift and sudden there will be no opportunity for last-minute repentance or bargaining. The choice we have already made will determine our eternal destiny. Jesus' purpose 
in telling about his return is not to stimulate predictions and calculations about the date, but to warn us to be prepared. Will you be ready? The only safety is to obey him today. Jesus asked us to spend the waiting time taking care of his people and doing his work here on earth, both within the church and outside it. This is the best way to prepare for Christ's return. So knowing that Christ's return will be sudden should motivate us to always be prepared. We are not to live irresponsibly, sitting and waiting, doing nothing, seeking self-serving pleasures, using his tarrying as an excuse not to do God's work of building his kingdom, developing a false security based on precise calculations of events, or just letting our curiosity about the end times divert us from doing God's work. Okay. So I'm going to go and read um, Matthew 24 and start at verse 36 is where I left off. But of the day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day of Noah entered into the ark, and knew now until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other one left. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doeth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what, wit, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as he think not the Son of Man cometh, who then is faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that ye shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him as asunder 
and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Glory be to God. So, we're going to go over that just a little bit. So, cut him asunder and appoint him his portion could be translated severely whip you and send you off to the judgment. But weeping and gnashing of teeth is a phrase used to describe despair. God's coming judgment is as certain as Jesus' return to earth. So we must be ready and be prepared for God's sake, for Christ's second coming. Um, I know we we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But as John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that none shall perish but all should be saved and have everlasting life who comes to Christ I love y'all until next time be blessed and remember if you can see it in your mind You can hold it in your hands. Just have faith. And the time is now. Don't delay your salvation. If you don't know who Jesus is, I pray that you will come to know him today. That all, all weapons that have tried to form against you shall not prosper. No evil that tries to rise up against you today will not prosper. We have to stand strong for our Lord Jesus Christ because he stood strong for us. I love y'all and until the next time, be blessed.